Season 1, Episode 21, Pete Kingman, Bible Story Evangelism, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, or to reconsidering who He is and what He did in the gospel of the grace of God, and repent from your dead works, Hebrews 6.1 because uh, they're not going to save you. Just believe John 3.16, For God so loved you and everyone else in the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, anyone, believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what I have. And i got to tell people about it. And that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Pray for opportunities to share my faith and, and do that. Because I live in a time when the Lord's coming back uh, for his church called the rapture and then seven years after that approximately seven because he has to end the tribulation early because no one would survive the plagues of the tribulation read revelation and uh, just the gospels talk about it Jesus is always jumping over the church to the time the 70th week of Daniel week being seven years poetically anyway um so, why did I pick this verse? I love this verse because I run into a thing called Calvinism, or I call it Calvinism. And, um, you know, that one of the, one of the five hallmarks of Calvinism, I, I don't agree with any of them. I, I, I hang around people that, you know, that people say, well, I'm a, I'm a one-point Calvinist, I'm a two-point Calvinist, I'm a three-point Calvinist. The most you could be is a five. I had a friend that called himself a negative seven. But anyway, I, I don't have much use for the God of Calvinism who, I call him the eeny, meeny, miny, mo God. He picks those that he wants to pick and doesn't, you know, he's so whatever, so sovereign. My God is more sovereign than their God because my God can give us a free will. That's a sovereign God. And his will is is for us. To have a free will to receive him or not he did that with the angels and a third of them left and he did that with us and I'm I think it's a little more than a third but I don't know narrow is the way then few to be to find it in a narrow way my friend is Jesus Christ and I have people go you're so narrow you only you only faith in Jesus Christ what about all the other people seeking you shall find knocking it shall be open to you I was lost as anyone in the world I hated God told you many times I lost my brother in Vietnam cheerleader asked me to go to Bible study I didn't want to go tried to talk her out of it couldn't do it so I went and I went to that Bible study to disrupt it and to to ask my question how can Jesus be the answer when there's a whole big world out there that doesn't believe in him what about all the good Jews and uh, Muslims and etc and seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open unto you I was seeking and I had I was cursing God for the loss of my brother. I had no use for God. I took great joy when Kirk Post said, uh, you know, if anybody talks to you about Jesus, just ask them about what about how what about all the people who don't believe in him? What about all the people who never heard of him? Blah blah blah. And I said, Great, thanks, Kurt, I'm gonna use that. And sure enough, you know, cheerleader asked me to go to a Bible study and I went and I said, What about all the people who never heard of him? What about all the good people who never heard of him? Seek and you shall find. There's none good, no not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whosoever should keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. We're all in need of a Savior. 
And, and I didn't know I was looking for one, but when I heard the gospel of the grace of God, when I heard Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And other verses like uh, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. It's not going to church paying you know, money. It's, it's the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the deaths, there's two deaths. It's either Jesus' death that counts as it did for Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I like to say he had me at whosoever, but it's faith in or on Jesus Christ. When I jumped out of airplanes, my faith was, I was told to trust my equipment. To me, that was the parachute. And the guy that rigged it that I never met, in fact, the guy that handed, handed me my reserve said, this is my dirty laundry, you know. And I'm going, thanks a lot, man, because they like to pick on first-time jumpers. After that, they can't pick on you because you've done it once and you really can't wait to do it again. But uh, it's fun to jump out of a moving airplane. In, in my case, uh, uh, a really bucket of bolts uh, prop plane with two engines, not the... Not the C-130, we jumped out of C-130s, and we also, to top it off, jumped out of multiple times the C-141. Probably more than any other aircraft, I jumped out of the C-141, which is a four-engine jet airplane. It's a 707 or something for military use. And you can jump about 300 guys out of one of those. And uh, I was always, in my seven jumps, I was always the first guy out the door. So I got, to, I got a real good view of the drop zone from standing in the doorway of, of one of these planes. And uh, with my hands on the outside of the airplane, waiting to go. And the jump master would very nicely tap me on the shoulder and say, it's time to go now, sir. And no, he didn't. He, he just basically hit me so hard I went flying out of the airplane. But my, my shoes were together. I got the pictures to prove it. My boots were together. My Cochrane jump boots were together. And, and I was, uh, my eyes were closed because you don't want to open your eyes in, in a 250-mile wind blast. I don't think you, I don't think anybody does. You know, sharks roll their eyes when they attack and I think we just naturally, I, all my jumps were night jumps so I had my eyes tightly closed on all of them, at least when I left the airplane. I opened them up pretty quick because four seconds after you leave the airplane you got to check your canopy. Anyway, and boy, and they said it would be the most beautiful thing I ever saw and I'm, I'm telling you what, it was, it was right up there. It was right, that was really nice to see that period. Every time I jumped, it was night because you jumped, the chaos of, Google it, you know, look uh, look for jumping out of an airplane, the 82nd Airborne, somebody, and somebody's got a GoPro. And I'm telling you, it is the most violent thing you've ever seen in your life because you jump out of that 250 mile wind blast and then the parachute slows you down like a drag car. But anyway, I trusted my parachute and my parachute was worthy of my trust. I'll tell you, Christ is 10 times, a million times, infinity more times worthy of our trust than any man-made thing or man-made philosophy. Or we, we take our gospel from the grace of from the Bible. Anyway, okay, uh, the memory verse was, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. I was in the no-slack battalion, 101st Airborne Division, 2nd 327. It was a glider battalion in, in World War II. And that was, uh, they didn't get Heisler's cargo pay, but they always complained about that. You look at what happened to those gliders when they hit the ground. I don't know what percent they had. I think it was much lower than paratroopers of, of getting hurt. A general officer was killed. I think he was from the 101st. You know, he had his Jeep and 
they put lead in the Jeep or something that out overweighed the, the, the glider and it, it didn't land very well. Anyway, um, they didn't trust what they were told. I pretty much trusted what I told, was told, but I didn't know any better. I sure didn't tie a rope between my leg and the airplane. That would have ripped my leg off. But uh, I'll let you figure that out. Anyway, m trusting in the Lord is the way to go. He, he died on a cross to pay for your sins. He's coming back. And Peter's talking about that. I thought I would give you a quick look at Second uh, Peter. I've often called it my favorite uh, book of the Bible. And uh, Schofield... Uh, C.I. Schofield, and I'm going to read to you what he wrote about the Bible, and I'm not going to read it to you very well, so just bear with me. But uh, his Bible was it was copyrighted in 1909 for the first time. 1909. That was four years before my dad was born, and he would be 107 if he was alive today. But anyway, a long time ago. But I kind of like, and, and I'm not taking any commentary here to speak of. I, I, I'm just taking his no, no, study notes of uh, his outline, if you will, of the book, because uh, a great theologian of the latter 20th century, Charles Ryrie, who also wrote a study Bible, told a bunch of uh, preacher boys, he said, up in Chicago, um, and I was in the audience, and he said, don't reinvent the wheel. You know, a lot of people have done a lot of study, a lot of good work. And uh, read what they wrote, and then teach the book verse by verse. And the notes are very little in my hermeneutics, which is the study of the study of the Bible. What I want to see is context, 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 context. And the notes are absolutely uninspired, and so are my, so is my commentary. But I, it comes from the inspired Word of God. Anyway, let me just uh, read this to you because I think it's moving and, and very powerful. Um, the date, probably A.D. 66, same time that Paul was writing his. Um, uh, the writer, of course, is Peter, Second Peter. He wrote uh, two books. Um, Second Peter and Second Timothy, a, a letter by Paul, have much in common. In both, the writers are aware their martyrdom is near. Both are singularly sustained and joyful, knowing, even knowing their martyrdom is near. Paul finds apostasy, uh, false teachings in the last day. All eight or nine writers of the New Testament, eight if, if uh, Paul wrote Hebrews, nine if he didn't, and, and one of the other writers didn't, which I, who knows. But it doesn't matter. Um, they all, all eight or nine writers of the New Testament, all talk about false teachers. So just look around. You know, Turn on your radio, whatever. And I make mistakes. You know, I don't know if there's a perfect teacher out there. I, I listen to these recordings and I just, I hear my mistakes and I'm just, but I'm, I'm not going to go back and edit them. I'll let you catch them for yourself and, and study the Bible verse by verse for yourself. Anyway, I, I'm a, probably about the age of, of Peter. It's a, it's a 66 years old. It's kind of a neat age to, 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 uh, Think back on a, a lifetime, 48 years of being interested in the Bible, teaching it pretty much from year one. I was, uh, I trusted the Lord, and six months later I was at West Point, and I was a Sunday school teacher, second graders. But I had a really good youth group, and they got me, I, I could ha hang, handle my own with second graders. But I taught them the Bible verse by verse.
I taught him verses from the Bible. Anyway, um, okay, uh, first, Roman numeral one, great Christian virtues in chapter one. And and you're familiar with this verse. um, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, you they make you that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful. That's our goal, folks. We want to be we want to be fruitful. We want to lead other people to Christ. You know, I, I want to be sustoi- sustained and joyful in my whatever time I got. You know, the Bible says three score and ten. I got, you know, three and a half years until that time. But it's it's all good. And and maybe I'll live to eighty, maybe I'll live to ninety. I'll live as long as the Lord wants me to. And and when the Lord comes back, he comes back early, he could come back tonight. We believe in imminence, or I believe in imminence. I like that word. And it means that the Lord could come back at any time. So um so okay. Uh Roman numeral two. Scriptures exalted. I would like to do that myself. I, you know, this is why it's one of my favorite books. And this is such a great one. This I learned in that, that great youth group for six months before I, in my last year of high school. Trust the Lord in November. And I learned a lot, praise God, from um, students of Florida Bible College. Moreover, I endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Like uh, Noah and the ark and the rainbow and God created the earth in six days. You tell me how. If evolution were true, my friend, it would be undeniable. And it's not true and it's very deniable. Like the second law of thermodynamics. We go from order to disorder. And if you don't think we're pretty ordered with all the laws of physics we have and all the science we have and and that, that came... Uh, believe it or not, a textbook that's really devoted to Calvinism or uh, evolution will, in my physics book, it was the only exclamation mark in the physics book when they were talking about evolution and the second law of thermodynamics. They said, does the second law of thermodynamics preclude the uh, the possibility of evolution that, that men, mankind evolved? And they had no exclamation mark. I used to love to teach that because it was in my PowerPoint that was given to me by the writers of the book, which, of course, I edited because I had to teach the stuff that I had to teach, but, boy, I did not edit the exclamation mark after the no. Does the second law of, of thermodynamics mean that evolution was not possible? No! When do you shout in a science book? I would ask my students. First of all, I'd wake them up with the screaming of no. And then I'd say, what, what is it? We don't go, gravity! We've all learned that when our mom told us not to jump on the bed, you know, and we had to do it until we fell off and bumped our heads. By the way, here's one I learned from my sister. When you, when you have a toddler and they bump their head and there's nothing you can do but kiss it and make it better, Get a get the biggest spoon you have. It'll be nice and cold, and let them put it on their head. My son John, I remember him particularly, and Steve probably did it also. But I remember John going to the to the kitchen cabinet. He could not look down into the 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 
the silverware drawer. But he would feel around in there until he found the big spoon and he would bring it to me so I would put him in my arms and hold it on his bumped head. But anyway, we know gravity is true. We know that it's real and exists. Okay, uh, Roman numeral 3, chapter 2, uh, warnings of apostate teachers. I'll just leave it at that. Marks of a false teacher. There are A, B, C, and D. They are ba like Balaam. Balaam's mistake was he was in it for the money. This, this king said, you know, he saw the, the children of Israel wandering from Egypt and said, said curse them for me. And he, and he couldn't. He, all he could do was bless them because he was a man of God and he couldn't do that. But he said, have them marry your children, your daughters, and that will pull their hearts away from God. Uh, but he did it for reward. So he was a, a man of God, believe it or not, but he was uh, for hire. And uh, that, that definitely brought down Solomon and a lot of other people. Uh, they are destitute of the Spirit. They, you know, well, uh, in the New Testament, absolutely, because the Holy Spirit is ours at salvation. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's a big change from the Old Testament. Before Pentecost, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit on a permanent basis. And also, people were in paradise, not in heaven, until Christ rose, took, led captivity captive on the third day. He rose again and led. And now we are absolute body and present with the Lord. And um, that is good stuff. Um, Okay, so uh, what is another mark of a false teacher, according to Schofield's notes here? They are destitute of the Spirit. Uh, Charlie is the, the third, that goes from letters to numbers, as you do in, a, in an outline. Charlie, the words of the learned are pretentious. I find false teachers pretty pretentious. I'm not even sure what that mean, word means, but it means like, you know, believe me because I told you so. I don't have to back it up. It's just, you know. Blah, 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 blah. And I go, uh, chapter and verse, please. Chapter and verse, please. I beg you. Chapter and verse. And then they just jump around, all around. And they don't follow what I think they should follow. And that's context, context, context. You want to understand a verse in Second Peter, then study Second Peter. You want to find a... a, a the understanding of, of faith without works is dead. Study the second half of chapter 2, which starts with... Uh, oh my gosh. Sec, um, James chapter 2. Speak and do as those that shall be judged by the law of liberty. You've got to know the judgments. There's a judgment for saved people, for reward in heaven, during the tribulation, in heaven... Because we're raptured out before that. And there's a judgment for punishment in hell called the Great White Throne at the end of the millennium. And I don't want to be a dogmatic on the timing of these exactly, but, but there are definitely two. And if you're a believer, your works will be tried by fire. Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, and precious stones. Wood, hay, and stubble's burned up. And if that's all you have, you're still saved. Check out the story in, by Paul in Corinthians. Um, wood, hay, and stubble. Okay. Um, they affect liberality. You know, the, the, by the law, of, you know, uh, speak and do as those that you'll be judged by the law of liberty. Now, we don't have a license to sin. We have something much, much better than that, my friend. Your parents never gave you a license to sin. 
I would tell my students, tonight I want you to go home and when you get on, during the dinner, I want you to get up on a table and start kicking the food off the table and see how long it takes your parents to stop that. Okay, you don't, you're, you're, but it doesn't affect your, uh, it affects your fellowship, but not your relationship. Your parents are going to definitely, you know, stop. You know, I'd get all my kids giggling over that, you know, going, I can't, I don't think I would want to do that. No, that would not be a good idea. And, and, and doing that to God is not a good idea either. I, trust me, I've done it. And it's not pleasant. But I know he loves me because he corrects me. I love my parents love me because they corrected me. And God corrects us perfectly. Anyway, affects our liberality. You know, don't don't touch this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. I want to be all things to all men, that I might win some. Now that doesn't open a door to crime and breaking the Ten Commandments and all of that kind of stuff. Murder and that's ridiculous. And I'm not going to follow the crowd when it comes to that. I'm going to follow God. I I hope I will. But if I see something, I'll say something. But the unsaved professors run unsaved professors run after them. I love this. It's old English, I guess, you know, 1909. Professors, I always think of college professors. At West Point, we called them peas. But um Unsaved professors are, it's just a neat thing that Schofield does. He goes, professors versus possessors. Professors claim to be saved and have the Holy Spirit. Possessors are saved and possess the Holy Spirit is his point. So when he has a note that says unsaved professors, you don't want to be a professor. A professor is someone who claims to be saved but isn't. A possessor is someone who actually has the Holy Spirit. Okay, chapter 3. Just entering, I thought I'd introduce the book to you. Chapter 3, The Return of the Lord and the Day of the Lord. Peter's writing about this 2,000 years ago, A.D. 66, approximately. And he's writing about the, the return of the Lord and the day of the Lord. That is at the end of the millennium. When he steps foot on ground and, and Armageddon and, the, and the, the sheep and the goats are judged and the sheep are believers, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Uh, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And my, I and my Father are one. And the Jews picked up stones to stone him. He died. Listen, you nailed him to the cross as much as anybody else. So, at any rate... Um, I've talked about that before. Don't be anti-Semitic. Um, but the the Lord's return. And and I'm not, you know, thy kingdom come. I'm not praying for that. I'm sorry. Call me a heretic if you want. But I'm, I'm praying what Paul prays at the end of chapter 6 and other places, um, other books he wrote. But Ephesians chapter 6. Pray for me that I'll speak as I should speak boldly. I'm not, the, thy kingdom come. That's a prayer for the tribulation saints. Thy kingdom come. All the, all the believers were taken out at the rapture. And they have to start from ground one. And the reason, I've told you over and over again, that's why I got motivated to do these PowerPoints. Because, and I've had people from all over the world to look at these places. Russia, I, I don't want to start naming them. There haven't been, there's just been a handful. But, but I know Russia was one of them. Uh, Asian countries, I can't remember which ones. I didn't really, I don't look at that every day. But it's starting to grow a little bit. But I tell you, it's going to go like crazy 
when when the church is gone and the Holy Spirit is gone and the Antichrist is coming to power. I think he's a nice guy for the first three and a half years. That's good news. And then the last three and a half years after the abomination of desolation at the, at the center mark of the tribulation, at the three and a half year mark of the seven year, 70th week of Daniel, poetically seven years. Anyway, um, then he really goes nuts on the Jews, especially the 144,000 that are sealed in the forehead with the mark of God. So now he's sealing all his people with the mark of the beast and uh, just trying to wipe out. He, he slaughters the 144,000. They're all killed. And in Revelation, they're under the throne of God uh, during the tribulation, you know, saying, when are you going to take vengeance upon them on the earth that, that slaughtered us? And he does. It's called the great white, it's called the, ju it's called the judgment of the nations. It's the sheep and the goats. And they're not saved by their works. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So they're not saved because they loved their neighbor as themselves, and they fed the poor, and they clothed the naked, and they visited them in jail. And they did not just say, be warmed and filled. They're saved because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And those actions of support of the 144,000, which were sold out Jewish evangelists, the like we have never seen on this planet of faithfulness to God during the tribulation, uh, there are those that, that, at the risk of their own lives, support them. And they live on into the millennium. The ones that never believed because they did not seek and they did not find, and it was their choice, are cast in the lake of fire with Satan, who's bound, by the way, which is good news for the lost people, I guess, because Satan not running around with a pitchfork, because he's bound in a lake of fire. And they look narrowly upon him and say, you were the one that caused all this? I mean, he's being ridiculed by those unbelievers in hell. Kind of like the ones that ridiculed Christ on the cross. But some of them might have believed. I, you know, it's, it's it, game on until you're dead, until you die the first death. Then you'll die the second death if you're not a believer. If you're, if you're a believer, you'll only die the first death. Anyway, um, so uh, the re uh, then under the Roman numeral 4, the return of the Lord and the day of the Lord, which is, I think, not the rapture, but it's seven years after, or a little less than seven uh, years after, which is good news for people going through the tribulation. God cuts it short because nobody would survive. The plagues are so bad. Read Revelation. They're bad plagues. And... Worse, much worse than what uh, Egypt went through. And they, um, the return of the Lord is generally disbelieved. Generally disbelieved. Narrows away the few that be to find it. Now, I'm not, I'm not really all hung up on the return of the Lord because I know I'm going to be raptured out before that, that takes place. The second coming of Jesus Christ. He'll, we'll meet the Lord in the air, but that's not the same as when he comes and stands on the earth in the battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation, which is won pretty quickly, I think, by the Lord. Uh, Antichrist and Satan can't hold a candle to the power of God Almighty. And uh, it's also called the day of the Lord. Okay. All right. So, uh, and then uh, the, the day of the Lord. And I'll let you read that in Second Peter. So if that didn't wet your whistle to read Second Peter... Uh, I don't know. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I didn't tell you what any of it meant. I just gave you some notes. I, I, I didn't go. Read the verses. Read the verses. And I'm just giving you a framework to, to understand the verses, what it's talking about. And you might want to get an old Schofield reference Bible. That's what I used. If you want to get something that's uh, 111 years old 
and um, they got no modern axes to grind, I would do that. The reason they keep coming up with, you know what, you know what we have so many English Bibles? Because we're, we're a wealthy country, and we can afford to, you know, they're, the, the, you, the, the Bible they use in Siam, which is today called, what did its name change to? I've forgotten. But anyway, um, the old Siam, the, the missionary, Adnira Judson, went there and translated. He was a brilliant boy and a brilliant missionary. We're talking 1776 time frame, the American Revolution. Um, anyway, uh, War of 1812, he was there during that and got persecuted by the, the King of Siam. I can't believe I can't say that country. But anyway, um, hopefully you can. But um, anyway, he, he translated the Bible into the language of the people. And they still use that one Bible today. I almost you know, envy you know, just one Bible to study. I think the Spanish have pretty much one Bible. I could be wrong. Maybe they have them all now because they're pretty prosperous, prosperous in our country. Maybe they're translating all the other versions into their language. But, but anyway, it's it is what it is. And uh, and I, I like all the different versions. I want to get. I just ordered an iPad today so I can look at all the different version, versions because uh, it's it's a good way to study. Anyway. I'd rather do that than look at a commentary. And please don't accuse me of using a commentary. I used to study study notes, not not long, verse by verse. An outline is what I used, and I, and I think that's very different than saying this verse means this and the next verse means that. And if you get a study Bible, you'll see that some of the study notes in chapter one, we have one note. No, we have two notes: the greatest Christian virtues and Scripture exalted. Those are the only notes we have. So it's not a commentary, this verse means that and this verse. I don't to me that's like, you know, chewing up your food and and, and and then giving it to somebody else to eat. Chew your own food. But anyway, um just trying to give you a little foundation here to study uh Second Peter. So let me uh take a look at uh my memory verse here. The Lord is not slack cons- this is uh Chapter Second Peter chapter three, verses nine, uh, verses. Well, I'm going to start in verse four, because Schofield entitles this Roman numeral one of chapter of uh, the return of the Lord and the day of the Lord. The return of the Lord is generally disbelieved. So this would be uh, during the tribulation. It could be, I guess, any time since. Peter wrote this. This is probably true. You know, he thought this was true in his time. The people were saying, and this is what they were saying in verse 4. Now I'm reading the Bible, which I haven't done very much of here, but I'm going to read it to you right now. I, I would like you to go back and read the verses and make up your own mind about what it says. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Hey, where's the second coming? He's not talking about the since the fathers fell asleep, continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Let me try that again. And saying, where is the promise of his company coming? Uh, verse 3. Um, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first. Now, i got to start in verse 1, sorry. This second epistle, second epistle of Peter, so I'm, I'm in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm going to read chapter 
well, down to verse 9. This second epistle, beloved, he's writing to believers and he calls us beloved. I know, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy prophets. That would be the 39 uh, well, the, the writers of the 39 books of the Old Testament. They're not 39 writers. A lot of them wrote. Uh, anyway, I, I didn't add up the number of writers. I could do that, but I'm not going to stop and do that right now because there's a bunch of them. But um, they're not 39 because a lot of them wrote more than that. Gen- Moses wrote the uh, first five books of the Bible. Um, sorry. The, the Holy Prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. So he's combining the Old Testament and the New Testament, put you to be mindful of the words which we have written. And this is, so a lot of it's being written. John has yet to be written. Uh, the Gospels have probably already been written. Uh, Paul's books are being written as, as Peter is writing. He's in his last days too. Uh, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, and he's just saying, you know, as far as he's concerned, he believes in eminence too. These, he could be writing in the last days. Is nobody knows how long the Lord's going to wait to come back, and and you pick that up in in the writings of these uh, of the New Testament. But this, by the way, is all the 144,000 is going to have. There's not going to be no more new books written for them walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning unto the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant. These, um, these people that, that, are, that are asking, you know, where's the promise of his coming? They're wiggling, willingly ignorant. I don't ask where's the promise of his coming. I know he's coming. I, I've got stuff to do until I'm raptured out or I die. I don't, I don't need to know when he's coming. It doesn't matter to me. He'll find me, hopefully, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, for the people with a lot of skin in the game during the tribulation, yeah, they're eager for him. They can't buy food. They're being hunted down. Fathers against sons, sons against fathers, mothers against daughters, and on and on. It's the tribulation. Oh, my gosh, you think 2020 was bad. Wait until the tribulation, that, that second half of tribulation has to be cut short because nobody would survive. For this, they willingly are ignorant. That means dumb on purpose. It's really hard to talk to people that are willingly ignorant, that are ignorant on purpose. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world was, was being overflowed with water perished. People that believe the flood is a fairy tale the rainbow is a fairy tale that is just ridiculous. And and I don't think I read back here where, um, maybe I did, verse 15. Moreover, I endeavor, chapter 1, verse 15. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We're reading an eyewitness of Jesus Christ right here, taught by Jesus Christ, an apostle. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there was came such a voice to him 
from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter, Paul, and James were there when that was said in the garden before he was crucified. The Mount of Transfiguration. Or the weeks before he was crucified. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, verse 6. Whereby the world was then was being overflowed with water, perished. We, we have a new world today. It's, you know, the same size, but I think, I don't think it was all one continent. I understand Pangea and the, in the, the, the crack along the, uh, the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, which perfectly puts the continents together. I, I agree with that, but it only cracked on one side. So they cracked and spread apart. On one side, if it had cracked all the way around the world, I think that would have been really, really hard on planet Earth to have the crust crack all the way down to the, the magna that came up and, and formed that underwater line called the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. But um, whereby the world was then being overflowed with water perished. Yeah, all everything in which breathed air were dead except for those on the ark the eight people and the animals everything else that breathed air died now fish didn't die because they don't breathe air uh, bugs uh, I don't think they have lungs but they do absorb it through there wish the mosquito would have died but anyway um, but I don't think uh, Noah kept them alive He just they just float on water anyway their eggs are pretty good but heavens but the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved for fire against the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men. Right after the great white throne judgment, we have the earth will pass away with a great noise. There is a big bang. It's coming at the end of the millennium. So it means it's at least a thousand and six and about years away. If the Lord came back today for the rapture. But beloved, be not ignorant for one thing of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. <clears throat> now some people will say, oh well, you know, you know, when he said he made the earth in one day, it was really a thousand days. So he didn't create the earth the sun until the fourth day, and so the earth did fine. The plants did fine for a thousand years without the sun. And by the way, in this verse, he also says a thousand years is his one day. To him, he's outside of time. He's not on the timeline that we're on. I'm convinced of that. I personally want to hang on to that belief because that means he has all the time to listen to me go on and on about my petty problems. And I just, I'm not wasting his time. He's not in time. He's not in a hurry. He's everywhere. He can listen to everyone. 24-7, and I like that about my God. And I believe it's true that one day is a thousand years and a, and a thousand years is as one day. Verse 8. Verse 9. For the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, what about the people that haven't heard? It's His will. He's willing He's not willing that any should perish. That means he's willing that all should come to Christ. But that all should come to repentance is, is his will. But he gave us a free will. He did not make robots. 
But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Verse 10. I thought I was going to stop at 9, but I'm going to read 10. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in a night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. There it is right there. That's the big bang. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of person ought you to be in the holy conversation or manner of life and godliness. Since all this is going to be burned up and blown away, the only thing that will last are the people you lead to Christ. Well, unfortunately, they, they, if they don't trust Christ, it's their problem. Seek and they shall find. God will send somebody to them that will give them the clear gospel or God will miraculously give it to them. Whatever. When I was a brand new Christian, I'd have said, you know, God would have wrote it across the windshield of my brother's helicopter or whatever in the last seconds of his life, whatever. But I, I know, last place I saw my brother was a, at a church outside of Dothan, Alabama. Seek and ye shall find. The, the, the grace that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So God, will, will not the creator of the universe do right? If you think like the one guy that, that had the one talent and called God, a, I know that you're a hard man, you, you reap where you do not sow, you're a thief. and He's not a believer, that's his problem. Not that he was a lousy investor or that he gave the Lord back. He didn't steal anything from the Lord except being fruitful. And God would like us to be fruitful. But, you know, uh, Noah said, get on the ark for 120 years and nobody did except his sons and their wives, eight people. Anyway, this one really went long, and I've got to run to physical therapy, so now i got to figure out how to turn this off and make it smooth, but I'll probably have to put a code in here and all this other stuff. But I want to say adios, which means to God, and via condios, which means go with God.